Uh, I am Bill Stevens, one of the pastors here. So glad that you guys are here today on this Father's Day. You guys, I think we've said this before, Father's Day is a notorious day in the church. It's the lowest attended Sunday in church in, in, church in the year. It go, the, the highest ones are Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day, and the lowest is Father's Day. So... Tells us a little about the about the dads and what they want to do on days like today. The first service, man, you should have seen it. It was bare in here because of Father's Day. Look, if you are a dad and you have come today to worship God together with your family, well done. You made it on Father's Day. Good job. If if you're a dad that stayed home today and then want to, wanted to go on a hike with your kids and now you're watching this on, on a video and you're, you're, you're watching it next week, hey, good job there too. I'm glad you guys are spending time with the kids, okay? But if you're a dad that stayed home and now are out golfing with your buddies for Father's Day, I got nothing for you, okay? Nothing. May your drives find the rough every stinking time, okay? (laughs) Hey, we're glad that we're all here together today on this Father's Day. We are doing this series, Do You Believe in Miracles? We are looking through the miracles of Jesus and what those mean for us today. And, And what was Jesus trying to say in those miracles then that we can pick up today? Now, anytime we talk about miracles, it's always, it's, it's, it's difficult because you kind of sit there and go, well, I don't know. I mean, what, what, what is a miracle today? And, 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 you know, how do you know if it's a miracle or not? And will God do the same miracles that he did then? Will he do those same things now? And, you know, we, we think through those different stuff. I mean, Jim last week talked about, about Jesus changing water into wine. And I'm looking at my, my two buck chuck that I get from Trader Joe's and I'm going, it's gone. So will, will God give me some more instead of me having to drive down to Denver to get that? And you know, you, you, we start thinking miracles that way. But the reality when it comes to the miracles of Jesus and what he did, it, he did these miracles, but he did them for a purpose. The definite, simple definition that I've come up with from miracles that I've seen, that, that I see when I read them in the Bible, is extraordinary acts of God that ultimately draw us closer to him. That Jesus' purpose for the miracles that he did was ultimately to draw people closer to him. And so we look at these miracles that he did during this time, during his lifetime, and we just go, how did that draw them closer to Jesus? And how does that ultimately draw us closer to Jesus? Now, what's interesting about these miracles is that he uses people in them. And we get to see those whole stories. And the miracle that we're talking about today is when Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, that, that miracle, it really was far more than just 5,000. It was more like 20,000 people. They counted the men in the place. That was the custom at the time was to count the men. But really, when they count the women and children, theologians believe that there was probably more like 20,000 people that were gathered together, and he fed them with these five loaves of bread and these two fish. As I studied that, I've read it a thousand times, and as I studied that, I'm just going, man, there are so many key moments that show the character of Jesus in this, and we're going to get to walk through that today. But he also is bringing in these other people. We're getting to know them too. 
as I'm studying this, I was, I was working out and, and I'm on the treadmill and I'm, and I'm watching uh, the, the screen in front of me and it's a, it was the movie, The Help came on and, and I looked at that and I'm watching, I'm going, gosh, I love this movie. It's one of my top, top 10 favorite movies is The Help is in there, you know, and when I started thinking about The Help, that movie and Shawshank Redemption, you know, uh, Saving Private Ryan, Band of Brothers, when you, when you, when you see those kinds of movies that I love, I'm sitting there thinking, why do I like them so much? And a lot of it has to do with the, care, the plot and, the, and, and the, the compelling plot, but then also the characters that are in it and how, they, they, how courageous they were in stepping out of their situation and, and stepping right into hard stuff and the courage that it take, took to do that and how it inspired people then and inspires us as we watch it. And, I, and, and as, I'm, as, I'm, as I'm watching that, I'm, I'm sitting there going, man, that's, that's the truth about what we're studying now is you start reading this stuff and you start seeing these characters and it inspires us, inspires us to move towards Jesus. So hopefully today, as we see kind of these disjointed pieces, because as we read through this, we're going to see, gosh, look at Jesus' character here. Look at Jesus' character here. Look at Jesus' character here. But then in the end, he brings it all together. And we get to see, wow, look at the courage of those people along the way and what Jesus was doing in their lives. So let's take a closer look at this passage. Let's pray and we'll dig into that. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the chance to gather together and to worship together. We thank you that that our situation, no matter where we're at, still we can come in here and sit here and know that you are present and that you've got something for us. And we pray that it would draw us closer to you. We pray as we look at these miracles that it would draw us closer to you. Help us understand you and your character more and even help us to understand what our role and what we have to do in the miracles that you present to us every single day. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to read through the passage first, and then we're just going to, and then I just want to kind of break it down and just go check this out. Look at these different spots that we get to see the character of God in it. So here's the passage. After this, so after this, this is after Jesus had, had um, it, John the Baptist had died, and it was one of Jesus' closest friends, and, and, and so he was, he was reeling from that, and then he also knew that his time was coming too, and so he needed to get away. So he says, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So these people were coming down from the north down to Jerusalem. Jerusalem's in the south. Sea of Galilee's in the north. They're coming down from the north through through that area, through Galilee, and down to Jerusalem where they were going to celebrate the Passover. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip for he already knew what what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There is a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the, sa- Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather up the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten 
from the five barley loaves. So they walked away full. Now, when we read this passage, most of the time, if you're reading through, you know, the Gospel of John who wrote this one, if you're reading through that, it's, you, most of the time you'll read it and you just go, that's a great story. That's an interesting story. Jesus fed 5,000 or fed what we now know is more like around 20,000 people with that. That's an interesting story. And we kind of we read it and go, well, Jesus, he's the Savior of the world. He's the Son of God. Of course, he can do that. And then we just move on. But man, when you slow down and you take a look at it, you go, wow, check out the different parts of this story that tell us about the character of God. Let's do that, okay? So here, let's do a little recap. So here's what's happening. So John the Baptist is beheaded. Jesus is in Capernaum at this point, and he's healing people in Capernaum, okay? And so more and more people are gathering around. They're, want, they're bringing their, their, their sick, and they're wanting, people to he, they wanting Jesus to heal them. They're all gathering around near Capernaum, okay? Now, Jesus wants to get away from them so, he, to, so that he can then just kind of um, process what had just happened with John the Baptist so he can spend some time with his disciples. He just wanted to get away. From everybody at this point, okay? So he, he gets on a boat and he starts to sail. Now, we're going to go to ma- a map today, okay? So we're, we're going to dig into a map. Check this out. We got a, we got a map of the sea of, of sea of Galilee here. Capernaum's in the north, okay? That's that top city, if you can't read it, Capernaum. And it's on the northwest side of Galilee, okay? Now, he's, he's not going to jump into a boat and go to the southeast side. He's not going to spend a day on the water, okay? He's, all he wants to do is get across away from that massive group of people in Capernaum and go to the other side. It's called the Bethsaida Valley. He's going towards Bethsaida on the other side, on the northeast side. So just the tip of the Sea of Galilee is where he's going to go. It says, it's, it says he spent about four hours, it took about four hours to get from Capernaum to that side to the other side. And in between there, this Jordan River comes flowing down in, the Jordan River comes out the south end as well. And so the Jordan River comes in and, 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 and there's this little green valley. He comes across and he spends some time with, his, time with his disciples on this side, on this side of the river, on this side of, of, the, of the Sea of Galilee. And the people, it says it took another couple of hours longer to walk around it than to float across it. So those people, are, those people are wanting to follow Jesus and they're walking around the northern tip of the Sea of Galilee. The crowd starts to get bigger and bigger because of the Passover that was happening in Jerusalem and the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And so more people are gathering in the north and they're coming down and they're hearing about what Jesus is doing. And they can see where Jesus is going to the other side of the, of the, of the lake. And so they're going to try to go try to go meet him there. OK, all right. So Jesus is now on the other side of the lake. He's with his disciple and he's, he's taking some time on his own, intentionally getting away from everybody. But the crowds are coming. Now, when the crowds start to show show up, what's Jesus' response to those people? Here's the first of our three or four different things that we see about the character of Jesus in this. What's his response? What would your response be? If you are intentionally getting away, what's your response when they come back to you again? When me and my three brothers were growing up, my mom used to put us in the basement and she would crank Neil Diamond on the, on the record player and she would sit in her, in, her, in her chair and just rock back and forth going, you know, Calgon, take me away moment, you know, or she just, which is, some of you guys under 40 have no idea what that is either, but, uh, but she, she, she's just sitting in this chair and just saying, okay, get him away from me. 
And if we came upstairs to say anything to her, she'd go, okay, wait till sweet Caroline's over with before you even bother me. You know, so, so, so you just want to get away. If you're, if you're in your job and you're getting to your office and you sit in your office, the last thing you want, you close your door, someone to knock on the door. Don't bother me. And you're a school teacher. Tell me what it's like when you have your break period and students come into your classroom. You're like, man, no, no, this is my time. You stay away. I think that we, we think about Jesus in these moments and we just go, so here's this moment where he's, he's saying, this is my time. I had to get away, stay away. But he does just the opposite. And he always does this. When the people he cares for come in need, he responds with care and compassion. Over and over and over again, he continues to respond with care and compassion. He doesn't look at them all coming from the distance and go, oh, great, you know, here they come. He's coming in the distance going, here comes my people, and i got to care for them, and i got to show compassion to them. Over and over he does that, and we have to grab hold of that, you guys, because so many times in our lives, we will, we will worry that we're bothering God again. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed where I'm going, here I am again, Jesus, with another one. Same old thing again. Here's the same apathy that I was showing before. Here's the same fear that I was showing before. Here's the same doubt that I had before. Here's the same sin that I was struggling with before. And, and I, I kid you not, most of those times I'm praying and I sit there and think that Jesus is looking at me going, again, you, again. But that's not the way he responds. He is responding with care and compassion and he says, bring it to me. We have to remember that. We think, we put our own thoughts and what we would do, we put them on Jesus and we get we're fearful. And he is the whole, the whole time, he's just going, yes, again, come to me. So now, we, now we'll continue in the story. So, so, so Jesus is, is, is now talking to these people, healing these people. 5,000 and 10,000, 15, 20,000 people are all gathered around in the, in the bluffs around there, all coming around Jesus. And he's healing people. He's talking to them. And it's going on all day long throughout the afternoon into the early evening. They go right past the dinner hour. They keep on going. And at some point, the leadership around there is going, oh, these guys are hungry. They haven't eaten anything all day. And they start to panic. They're saying, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? We got to feed all these people. And they're all running around in a panic. And Jesus turns to them and he says this. I love what he says. He says, he says, uh, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He turns to Philip. Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And Philip is looking, to, looking at him, and, he's, and, and, and John says he, he was testing Philip for how he knew what he was going to do. And Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. If we worked for months, we couldn't do this. This is an impossible task. You guys, every once in a while when you read Scripture, you need to step back and remember. We read it with such reverence at times that we forget that it's personal. We forget that there's actually comedic moments in there. We forget that it's Jesus and the way he's responding to these guys. is just like this moment is an awesome, fun moment for Jesus. Because he's seeing them panic. And he goes to Philip and he's going, oh, what should we do? 
And, and Philip's response is, oh, we you can't do anything. It's going to take eight months of wages. And I love how John writes in there because he says Jesus knew all along what he was going to do. But he still asked Philip that question. Man, I think about this, you guys, and I think how many times in our life are we so stinking overwhelmed with whatever's going on? And we're just going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And the whole time Jesus is looking at us with this little smile on his face and he's just going, I've got it. I've got it. What in the world are you so stinking worried about? I've got it. I think about, I think about a mom with little kids running around the summer going, what do I do? I don't even like being a parent anymore. And Jesus is just sitting there going, you know I've got this. You know I got it. I think about a parent that drops their kid off to school for college and they're coming for driving back going, what do we do in tears? I mean, I know that feeling for sure. And Jesus just sitting there going, I've got it. I think about, I think about the, the, the stress we have over, over, you know, our, our, where our finances are at today. And Jesus is going, I got it. Think about a kid, a high schooler in the middle of classes and studying and can't figure it out. And what am I going to do? And I'm not going to be able to get into my college. And Jesus is sitting there going, I got it. But how panicked are we? <laughs> how much are we saying, I don't get it. I don't know what to do. I picture someone writing our story. And I picture them writing, they had no idea. Jesus had it. I picture that with a scent. Jim and I were running around with our heads cut off, panicking. What do we do? We got a $10 million building campaign. We got all these people around here. What do we do? We're running around. And I feel like someone just writes, they have no idea. Jesus has it. Now, I also, you also need to recognize, you know, there's some of the hectic stuff that happens, but there's also some really hard stuff that happens in our life. There's also those things that you just go, you know, when you're facing a spouse that's about to pass away and you're going, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? You're facing uh, wanting to have children, but you can't have kids. You're facing serious financial trouble. You're facing a marriage that you're just going, I don't know what to do with. And in those moments, maybe he's not, maybe he doesn't have that smile on his face because when we grieve, he grieves with us. But he still has a, I got it. Now it might look different. These people came wanting to be healed and they got bread. It's going to look different. But he's still saying, do you trust me? I got this. That's what he's saying to all these guys. As Philip is panicking, he's going, I got it. Now let's look at the next part. Okay, so here's what happens. Philip's panicking. They're all panicking. And then this one guy, Andrew, one of the disciples, turns to this little kid with a basket. And he looks in the kid's basket. I don't think this basket had like handles on it and stuff. He looked in the basket and he found five loaves of bread. And it was barley bread that, was, that, was, that signified the fact that this was a poor kid. The, the, the poor, the kid, they, they, had, they, had, they ate barley bread if you were really poor. And, they, and I looked that up and they said that's the equivalent to basically pita bread today. So he says he's got these five loaves of pita bread. And he's got two fish. And I went to get some fish from Safeway and didn't have it, so I got sardines. So they got two. They got 
they got five loaves of bread and two cans of sardines. And there's, they're looking at, they're, he, the, Andrew's looking in this little basket and he pulls this out. And he says, um, Jesus, we got this. What, what can you do with this? And, and you know, you, you can tell from the way they wrote it. He's pessimistic about it. He's going, he's thinking, gosh, this might feed the people in the front row. You know, if we break them into quarters, it might feed a couple. What do you think? And Jesus' response shocks us. Because his response was perfect. That's perfect. That's just what I need. You know what I can do with that? He takes it. And 20,000 people are fed. From this. He's saying it's perfect. And how many times do you, do you step into a situation, you know, Maurice needs some help with high school ministry and you step into to, to working with high school kids and you're going, man, I don't know what to do in here. All I got is five loaves of bread. And he's saying, perfect. I can't tell you how many times when I was doing college ministry that I would get ready to do, be in a Bible, to do a Bible study with the dudes in college ministry. And I'd go and I'd, and I'd be driving to their house and I'd just go, ah, God, I have nothing to give these guys. Nothing. I might as well pull it out of my pocket and go, all I got is this five loaves of peanut pita bread. And, and God's going, perfect. I can use that. How many times do you... Here, you know, a $10 million campaign, you got 20 bucks. Well, what's this going to do? Perfect. I can take that. I can multiply that. What I can't do is bring it out of thin air. I'm not going to zap it. I'm not going to zap this out of thin air. I need you to offer up what you got. And if we're being honest with ourselves, a lot of us feel like all I really have is five loaves of bread and two cans of sardines. And that's all I really have. And Jesus saying, that's all you need. Because I'm going to use that. You guys, if Andrew evaluated the situation first before he brought these, if he looked at this, looked in the basket, saw these things in there and going, looked around at 20,000 people. If he just evaluated it first, he would never have done it. He wouldn't have said a word to Jesus. I, I did some research on, on, on this. I, I, uh, I, I looked up the Major League Baseball and, and, and an average attendance in the 20,000 range for average attendance in a Major League Baseball game. You know how many hot dogs they serve in an average baseball game? 10,619 hot dogs at an average Major League Baseball game. If Andrew had 10,619 hot dogs sitting there, he could have sat there and said, Jesus, what about these? Hey, that's a good idea. Let's use those. That would have been fine. It would have made sense. This doesn't make sense. But you bring it to him anyway. And Jesus says, perfect. That's what he's saying to us as we look at our, whatever meager amount we feel like we can give. He is saying, that's just what I need. Because I can do something with that. 
Then you look at the other kid too, the kid that was with him. You got Andrew and then you got this kid. This kid, what in the world is he doing even being right there in the front, right near where the disciples can see him, right near where Jesus can see him. The courage to even be right there. The courage to take out his basket. I mean, he's, he's a poor kid. He's not going to, he's got to be thinking this, I got to use this, I got to bring this home. The courage to even be able to offer that up. The courage to stand there and see Andrew and say, yeah, you, this basket of stuff. That courage that kid had was amazing. You guys, last week, I'm sitting here at church, and afterwards, I'm, I'm out there in the cafe, and this little girl, Melena, comes up to me. She's 10 years old. And she walks up to me, and she goes, hey, Pastor Bill, she says, can I, um, can I talk to you about something? I said, yeah. And she said, she said, I was just in the tire center. That's where, that's where the, her grade was at for, for Sunday school. And she said, and they were talking about um, the gifts that God has blessed us with, and that we need to use those gifts. And she said, all I could think about was the, I think that the gift God has given me is a gift to write. And I said, really, that's awesome. And she goes, yeah, I I think I'm pretty good at writing. And I think God's given me that gift. And she said, and I see that you're doing this, this food drive. And she said, do you mind if I write about the food drive? Do you mind if I, if I just write some stuff around why, why we're doing this food drive? I said, that would be great. And then she said, then she said, and you know what, if you need me to, she said, I'll read it, what I write in front of the church, if you want me to do that. And I'm sitting there going, uh, yeah, yeah, you're going to do that for sure. And so Melena's going to come up and read what she wrote. So where's she at? There she is right there. Come on up, Melena. Okay, you ready? Okay. Have you ever wondered how it feels to spend all day trying to gather just enough money to buy a small meal? Some people are hungry, even here in Boulder, and must deal with this every single day. Fortunately, there's a solution. In Boulder County, there's a place called the Sister Carmen Community Center, where people who are hungry and can't afford to buy food can take some for free. But sadly, Sister Carmen occasionally has shortages of food. So, through the Ascent Community Church Food Drive, we can help stock up Sister Carmen's pantry with canned goods like peanut butter, tuna, beans, vegetables, and more. Bring your donations to Ascent throughout the month of June and help make a big difference to those in need. Thank you. That is perfect. You guys... That's so good. That's so good. Go ahead. Is that not, is that not, she has a gift to write. She has an awesome gift to write. And look, if Milena would have done what most of us do and evaluated beforehand the effectiveness of this thing that she just wrote, she could have sat there and said, I don't know, People don't even show up on Father's Day. And then if they do show up, really, how many of them are actually going to listen to what I write and then actually go buy some canned goods and put them in those bins out there? How many? What? A few? And then from that, how much? Was that really going to help the the homeless population in Boulder Valley? If she evaluated all of that stuff, she wouldn't have done it. She just got, this isn't going to, it's not going to work. But she brought her five loaves of bread and her two fish. And she said, what about this? And she courageously came forward. She said, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if anybody will respond. 
I don't know if those bins will get filled. But God has given me a gift, and I'm going to use it, and we'll see where God goes with that. I mean, we learn a lot from a 10-year-old today that says, I'm just going to offer it up and see what happens. Now let's keep going. Let's keep going. Now listen to this, though. Jesus takes this bread, takes this bread and takes the fish, and he starts distributing it to his disciples, and they start giving it out to the people. This this story is is told in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of the Gospels. All four of them felt like they needed to say something about this story. And Matthew and Luke, a couple of them, they really wanted to emphasize the fact that Jesus gave it to us and we distributed it to everybody. I was, I was sitting, I was with Ella, uh, my, my daughter, who's a theology major at Whitworth, and she was pointing out from this story, she said, Dad, how weird is it that most of those people of the 20,000 that were in there probably had no idea a miracle was even happening. They didn't have their binoculars. They didn't have their opera glasses. They couldn't see that, 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 that Jesus kept reaching into the basket and more was in there. They were probably sitting on the outskirts just getting blessed by this miracle. They might have gone home and never known a miracle ever happened, but they were filled. And the disciples got to be the ones to do it. And Jesus took this bread and he, and he handed it over to them. Jesus picked it up and, and multiplied the bread and handed it over to them. And they took it and they distributed the miracle. That's what he's doing with us. And every day, Jesus is doing extraordinary things that draw people closer to him. And he's handing off those extraordinary things to us. And he's saying, distribute them. And you might think it's just a piece of bread that to your neighbor, to my next door neighbor, it might just fill them for a day. But Jesus is going, man, this is my miracle. I give it to you. Take it and distribute it to the people. Blessed, because you're going to eat it too, to be a blessing to a bunch of other people. Now, now, okay, so he does that. And everyone gets fed, okay? All, everyone's all fed now. Now, look at how Jesus ties all this together. This is remarkable. After it's all done, they're all done eating. The miracle has happened. Everyone goes home. The next day, look at this, the next day, okay? So the next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciple had taken the only boat, and they realized Jesus had not gone with them. So they went looking for Jesus, and they found him, okay? So this is the very next day. They, they went looking for Jesus, and they found him. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Saying you just you just want more free food. You want to see the miracle happen again so you can eat and be full again. You're just looking at the miracle, but you're not looking at me. You're not looking at who I am and why I did this. And they said, they said, we but we want to distribute the bread like your disciples did. And they said, We want to perform God's work too. What should we do? And Jesus told them this: This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one. He has sent. Believe in the one he has sent. Look at me. Not the stuff, what's happening, not just want that over again. 
But bring that back to who Jesus is. That's what he started to say to these guys. Now, now, the next line is probably one of the top five dumbest pieces of scripture in the Bible. Okay? Top five dumbest. When I, when I come across the lines like this one, this is when I write in the column, this is a bill passage right here. Because this is the kind of thing that I would say in this moment. And just look at those guys going, gosh, that sounds like me. This is what I would do. So these guys have just seen the day before Jesus feed 20,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And here's what they say to Jesus at this point. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? Jesus must have just thought, I'm taking crazy pills. Are you kidding me? I just fed 20,000 people yesterday, and you want a miraculous sign today. Man, how easy it is for us to forget. When Jim and I first got started here in this church, we needed to raise a bunch of money up front so that we didn't feel like we, you know, so we, we weren't so dependent on money over these for the first three years. And so we're raising this money up front. And every once in a while, we would get some massive donation. Someone would give us like 50 grand. And we'd get that 50 grand and we'd sit in our little office that we had and we'd tear up. We'd drop to our knees. It was overwhelming what the Lord was doing with this 50 grand. You're just going, oh my gosh, look at God's provision. The next day, we get a bill from the Omni Hotel for how much it costs to be there because that's where we were at first. And we just go, oh, man, God, where are you? We can't afford this. Will you ever give us, will you give us money this time? Not what you gave us yesterday. Wait, you gave us money yesterday and you continued to provide. Jim was mostly the one panicking. I was reminding him over and over again. He was panicking. Look at what it says next, you guys. Listen to this. They have the audacity to use an example. And the example they use is this. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. They even use bread as the example. What can you do for us? Moses got us bread. And this is where Jesus brings it all together. He says, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. You want something more than yesterday? I fed, I fed 20,000 people yesterday. How about the whole world? You want, you want to not go, you, you want to be fed till you are full? How about not going hungry? Ever? This is what you guys don't realize is I am the miracle. You think that, that five loaves of pita bread and two cans of sardines is nothing into something huge? How about a carpenter from Nazareth? Nazareth becomes the savior of the world. He says, I am the miracle. I am the bread of life. And all I want from you is for you to come to me. 
I want you to come to me. I know you're on the outskirts. I know you've just received the blessing and that's it. But he says, I want you to come to me. Yeah, well, what about, what about the, the sin that I keep messing up with? Come to me. What about the divorce that I'm in the middle of? I don't know what you're going to say to me in the midst of this divorce. I don't know what, you know what? I'll probably surprise you. I'm going to surprise you with my compassion. I'm going to surprise you with my care. I'm going to surprise you with my response. What about the doubt that I keep dealing with? I got to fix the doubt before I come to you. Come to me. You'll be surprised at my response. What about my fear? What about my stress? Come to me. Come to me. On Thursday night in here, the worship team did a worship night and, and Jenny Dreyer and, and, and Becky led us in this, this night and it was, it was fantastic. And the whole theme of it was around trusting God. And Jenny started it by just being real and raw with us and just going, trusting God is hard. Because you, you, you feel like you're stepping closer and it's not what you want. Your, your, your circumstances are not changing the way you want them to change. But you still step closer and closer and, and you just kind of, you go, darn it, it's just not, darn it, darn it. Ah, but this is the rock that I need to stand on. And as she's talking about that, I'm sitting there thinking about those people that came to be healed and got the bread of life that you will never go hungry. And I thought she is so right that it's going to take courage. It's going to take trust as we step close to this rock. It's going to surprise us. It might not fit our expectations. We bring all that we have, no matter how simple it is. And he's saying, you will not hunger anymore because I am the bread of life. And I'm going to hand it over to you to hand to other people. He offers every single one of us that every single day the miraculous work of God that says I'm going to keep I'm going to allow you to eat and not go hungry and he says now tell the people about that too Father we pray we pray that you would, would, would help each one of us to take courageous steps help each one of us to, to trust even though circumstances might not be changing the way we want them to change God, help us to bring all that we have. God, we thank you for Milena and her courage in even coming forward to talk to her pastor about, about reading something up in front and, and her courage to say, I, I just feel like you want me to do this. And so she does it. And I thank you that we can learn from a 10-year-old today. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to pull out the bread and the sardine cans and saying, God, do what you will with it. Pray, Lord, that each one of us will draw close to you and taste, taste this bread that we will never grow hungry from. We thank you that you are the miracle in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, 